This summer, I saw a show called Entrances and Exits at the Fringe Festival in Toronto, and I laughed, and then I <laughs> laughed some more, and I laughed at my friend Ruth Goodwin, who's in it. I laughed with you, I think, more than at you. Yeah, <laughs> good. Yeah. That's good. That's a the way funny, it should be. funny, funny show. It's an improv show, uh, which is being remounted at Sketchfest in Toronto, and you can find out all sorts of details at howlandcompanytheater.com slash upcoming events. Oh, uh, you got the website right this time. I, I got the website. Well, you know what? You could tighten that up a little bit. Yeah. HowlandCompanyTheater.com <laughs> seems a little you know, cumbersome we were, to me. We were uh, poor when we started, and we're still poor, so it's uh, it's not the most ideal name. But, but you can go there. HowlandCompanyTheater.com and find out uh, about tickets to see uh, entrances uh, and exits at Sketchfest. Uh, we have three members of the cast here. Ruth Goodwin, whose voice we've already heard. Liz Johnston is here. Hello. And Nigel Downer. Yeah, what's nice going on, y'all? You. Thank you. And it opens on uh, March 5th. So go to, uh, let me find that website again, howlandcompanytheater.com. Find out all sorts of details here. So I wanted to spend the day, though, for people who aren't in Toronto and can't come see this show, uh, talking about improv. So when I saw this show, I've known Ruth for a long time, and, and, and I was sitting in the theater, and you had described to me what the what the, the premise of the thing was because there was a very loose premise. Maybe you can tell people what that is. Yeah, well, so the premise of the show is uh, we, it's an improvised farce play. So we, uh, Liz and I became obsessed with farce plays when we were uh, in high school. Mm -hmm. And um, so sort of loosely based on the structure of uh, the Norman conquests, um, <laughs> if you're familiar with your Alan Akeborn plays. Um, <laughs> Which everybody does. You know, aren't we all? Already I'm riveted. You're I'm hot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's like Noises Off. It's a farce. It's correct. kind of like Noises Off or something like that, where there's lots of doors slamming, people running oh, yeah. in and out of rooms, and there is a, a, a mystery sort of central to the story. The main yeah. thing really is that you have, you see one room in one act mm -hmm. in the beginning, and you see everything that happens there, and then in the second act you get to turn around and see what was happening on the other side of the door in the other room so that's where the magic happens of the sounds that you hear off stage are suddenly brought to life when you get to see what was making the sounds but the thing about it is uh, and this is what I was thinking about when I was sitting in the theater watching it is that you don't know really what the story is going to be you know <laughs> Essentially, what's going to happen, yeah. the structure, the overall structure, but you don't know what the story is going to be. So tell me for each of you what it's like sitting backstage, knowing that you're going to be on stage for an hour. You know, in 10 minutes, you have to go out on stage and you don't really know what's going to happen. Well, I'm glad you brought up timing because uh, you said an hour, then you said 10 minutes. It's We have about, I don't know, seven seconds to figure out yeah. what kind of yeah. character we're going to be. Right. So but, it's when like, you're backstage, though, before the, that, when you know nothing, all right. what's happening? Is your stomach churning, or are you just kind of like, I've done this a thousand times. I, I mean, that, that happens, but <laughs> also the fact that uh, you really, we really have to be attentive and listen to the offers that are thrown out there, because mm -hmm. at any given moment, that could be a clue for one of our characters, or a character that we could make up right. on the spot, right? So it's that first, oh man, that first like five to seven minutes, uh, could be even less. Where, you know, Ruth and, and Connor Bradbury could be speaking and saying stuff where you're like, okay, I'm going to be this person. But, man, it can change so fast. Yeah. Like, you can think of a character, and then just as you're going to step out on stage, they say something else or just something else comes to mind, and you could change your character right away. So it it just it just happens. Like, it's just... Uh, and right before, I think it totally depends on the flavor of the show, too. Like, True. our whole show is... 
very based in this sort of, um, you know, old 1960s British farce. Alan Ickborn. Alan Ickborn. But like, so like for me, my sort of like prep before the show is like, is just kind of thinking a lot about what, um, you know, what makes farce different from other comedies. So like, you know, big, you know, sort of, uh, you, you know, romantic uh, affairs and big yeah. door slamming things. Whereas, like a lot, like some improv is just um, uh, like there's you know a murder mystery improv, or there's all different kinds of um, types of shows that we you can make up on the spot. And uh, yeah, for me, like right before, I definitely do a lot of like, okay, what are the themes of improv or of farce that I that we want to really lean into for this specific format versus any other format. Totally. And Liz, why do you love these farces so much? <laughs> What's not to love? <laughs> um, Liz is like the queen of slamming into doors. I can't. That's why. I, if, if there's a pratfall, it's funny. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, since we were young, I, I think I just loved watching things like Noises Off uh, and The Norman Conquest. There was something so tantalizing about you knowing, I mean, it's dramatic irony, you knowing what's going on before the characters do and getting to revel in there complete disarray like it's the same thing as watching a faulty towers episode and having pure joy at the fact that surely someone's going to come home soon and realize that there's a dead person in there (laughs) um but so i love all of that and then getting to make it up on the spot is so incredibly fun because you get to do that to yourself as well you're not just uh there's no dramatic irony of the characters because it's happening to you in the moment which is so fun you know what's going to happen next but also could be totally shocked by yeah we had this great moment in our best of fringe run uh where we had linda cash come and guest star and we were all sort of not really like our first act we were sort of rusty and we were like i don't really know what happened and then we switched rooms and like i'm on the stage i turn around and we have Linda Cash and um, a phenomenal actor, Dylan, in our cast. And she's just breastfeeding him. <laughs> we're like, oh, so that was that relationship. Oh, yeah. Ah, I've learned that in front of everyone. And now I must go with it and continue. And it was, I mean, she's a genius. And uh, yeah, she's coming back. So that'll be really great. I'm speaking with Ruth Goodwin, Liz Johnston, and Nigel Downer. You can see them in entrances and exits at Sketchfest. Go to howlandcompanytheater.com slash upcoming dash events forward slash for more information. (laughs) Yeah, okay. We'll talk to IT, Richard. Yeah, yeah, you might want to do that. IT is me. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'll talk to myself. Make it easy. Make it easy on me. So entrances and exits is a a, a complicated idea for a show. I would think that if I was, and and one of the things I enjoyed about it when I saw it was that it was ambitious, but I would think, you know, it would have been easier to do something that was, you know, one set, few people, you know, rather than trying to structure it like a play. Because what I saw honestly felt like a fully formed and fully realized play. Uh, would it, Nigel, would it not have been easier just to say, hey, what city should we be in and, and take a few uh, uh, questions from the audience that way? Uh, listen, Richard, you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, I will give a massive shout out to these two uh, lovely ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, Ruth and Liz are the brain behind this thing. And they really do help us and encourage us to make those giant choices, right? right. And I think that um, 
having that uh, that freedom to make such a bold choice in who your character is and them just allowing us to do that and everybody in the cast allowing each other to do that and giving those ideas, that's that's where the real joy of this uh, of this show happens, you know, just being able to be so big and so ridiculous and everybody says, yeah, that's great, go yeah. bigger so then we can be very specific and we can really drive the story. But listen... Sometimes pure panic just creeps in, man. <laughs> Sometimes it creeps in. Uh, you gotta just be like, look, panic, either come with me or get out. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's great. We'll talk about uh, the rules of improv a little bit later on in case people don't know what they are. But mm. they've all, the one that I love, well, no, well, I'm not gonna give that away. What I do love about the rules of improv are that I think that they're also pretty good rules just for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that learning about improv is actually, you know, could replace a bit of uh, time spent at a therapist office for me, you know, <laughs> if I just if I bothered to follow them. So we'll get to that in a little while. Um, you talk about challenges a little bit and getting out there and beating, you know, being able to be as big as you want in the character or whatever. Is there, Liz, a, a possibility of going too far? I suppose that's always there. But <laughs> Yeah, I think that's kind of again the magic of improv is that truly anything could happen mm-hmm. um, and anything could be said or done that in the moment seems perfect and in retrospect uh, was a nightmare uh, but uh, but when you get to work together as a cast uh, and rehearse and really know each other and be able to anticipate people's impulses a little bit it makes it much easier um, and I think most of the time you enter into a kind of a contract with the audience to say the first thing you say always, no matter what, in an improv show is everything you're about to see is made up on the spot. And nobody believes it. It's true. Yeah. It's true. The number yeah. of people yeah. that come out and they're like, okay, but yeah. which part did you write down? Uh, and you have to say, no, 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 truly, uh, it's all made up. But that's but that, I think, is what makes it such a fun thing for audiences to come in and really say, oh, I was as much a part of creating this as these performers were, whether right. it's through suggestions or if they laugh at something, if if you're enjoying something, that's what we're going to play more in. Uh, so it's not just improvisers being like, this is what I think is funny, so we'll continue mm-hmm. this until the end of the show. It's really a conversation with the audience, and the audience kind of then knows that if they're enjoying something, we'll go farther with it, we'll push it farther. I think there's something uh, to be said for improv uh, as being immersive theater, and it's a little different. I mean, you're not bringing generally speaking, people up on stage with you. But you are taking ideas from them. Immersive theater has become a big deal in the last, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 years or so. Audiences want to be involved in a way Mm -hmm. that, you know, traditionally maybe they wouldn't have been. Uh, And so by taking ideas, yeah, and, and by following up. If yeah. it gets a laugh, you just you you step on it a little harder Absolutely. the second time. Yeah, well, yeah. and and that sort of um, immersive quality you're talking about. I mean, when we put on <clears throat> any sort of play, you know, the the number one question is like, why is this not a movie? Like, why are yeah. why why are people going to come out of their homes in the dead of winter and go and sit with other people and and be in this space? What about it? Like, how do you make it live? And for me, like, what I love about this improv show and, and improv as a format is just that, like, it's it it has to be live. It's, you know, it will always have to be live, which and is we'll, best. we'll pick up on that thought uh, on the other side of the break. I'm speaking with Ruth Goodwin, Liz Johnston, and Nigel Diner. The show is called Entrances and Exit at Sketchfest. Find out more at howlandcompanytheater.com. Welcome back. My guests <laughs> in studio are Ruth Goodwin, Liz Johnston, and Nigel Danner. They will join Colin Mockery, Linda Cash, 
Andrew Fung in a show called Entrances and Exits at Sketchfest in Toronto starting on March 5th. Uh, you can find out more at howlandcompanytheater.com. All sorts of tickets available there and, and information. Remember that website. It's important for later. So... <laughs> Remember to remember the the impossible to remember website name. Uh, So we're talking about improv because this show is completely improvised. And I saw it uh, during the Fringe Festival and it really felt to me like a fully formed piece. And we've talked about how uh, you started with the idea of a farce and and sort of moved forward from there. Uh, But how do you actually prepare? You were saying you put yourself... Uh, Ruth, in the mind of of the the 1960s farces that Mm -hmm. you grew up loving. Um, But there's got to be more than that. Yeah, well, I mean... I was do the costumes play a certain? They do, yeah. There's um, uh, the costumes. This, we have a, a beautiful set uh, that, um, you know, when, when Liz and I were thinking about this show and when we, you know, from the time that we started thinking about the show, we first did it uh, a few times in her uh, mother's house in the adjoining living room and dining room oh, for uh, her uh, friends. Yeah. Um, and uh, from from its form there to, you know, what it is now, uh, we've had a few years to sort of really um, figure out what we wanted from the show and, and what, I mean, the, uh, what, something that was very important to both of us was um, the cast actually combines uh, some of in my opinion, Toronto's best improvisers and also best theater stage performers. Well, that's it, because I, I had never seen you do uh, improv before. Maybe mm-hmm. I just missed it, but I'd seen you on stage, and you, you can also be seen in Working Moms and mm-hmm. Private Eye and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, yeah, but so, like, Liz and I grew up together. We've known each other since we were 12, and we were always, um, like, Liz was, uh, like, when people talk about improv being a superpower, like, Liz yeah. could improvise as well as she can now when she was 12. And <laughs> like, I think. So she's learned nothing in the intervening <laughs> years? Is Honestly, that it? she <laughs> improvises like a 12 year old. It's embarrassing. No, uh, no but she had this, these sort of references at the, the tip of her hat, like all, all the time. And, um, and I was always a, a stage actor, and, and we sort of grew up like that. Um, but I sort of started loving improv because first of all I was a lazy actor and didn't want to learn lines for acting class so I wanted to take improv classes because just there's no homework Um, (laughs) but also you sort of I mean improv is a muscle that you can build on Mm -hmm. um, as well and so it it and it helps every aspect of performance and every, as to your point earlier, every aspect of life. Like it's just learning. Oh, we're going to get there during the serious be. part of the show. Good, oh, yeah. but, <laughs> um, but sorry, what I was, uh, what I meant, what I was talking about with in terms of the show was like we were very, um, we were very keen to have. Uh, it's a tough sell to get um, really great improvisers like Nigel in to a room. Uh, for another improv show, you know, Nigel improvises, a couple of our improvisers work, you know, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. So you need to get a, a great format that's new and interesting. And then it's also a very hard sell to get theater actors who are used to a script right. to commit to coming in and just having these nerves, which, you know, these two don't get quite as much as I do, but is like totally a new world. And so we worked really hard to, and we rehearsed a little bit more than um, most improv shows do, and yeah. not everyone loves it. Uh, um, but Nigel. We, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep, you're not wrong. <laughs> but we worked really hard to create um, an environment that, that and a team that mm-hmm. everyone could, could uh, 
could grow from each other's strengths. So we have these like punchline pushing, uh, story driven comedians, and we have these like really grounded actors pulling everyone into really grounded moments. And and uh, so that sort of safety net has created what is to me different about this show from uh, a regular improv show or. Um, an Alan Ickborn play. <laughs> <laughs> Reference from the first segment. Good callback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nigel, how did you get into improv? Oh, wow. Uh, okay, I will definitely give you the uh, the short version of this. Uh, I'm originally a graphic designer. Right. Uh, so I went to school for uh, for fine arts. Uh, I went to University of Guelph. Uh, shout out to my Guelph, Guelph Griffins. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I went to Constable College for graphic design. So I get a job. I'm working for about three years. Uh, the economy crashes in 2009. So... Um, on a Monday, I got an email from Second City because I had started taking these, uh, I started taking the improv classes right. by proxy of my mentor who said, hey man, you should be doing some funny stuff. Let's do some stand-up. Uh, and because I did some improv in my stand-up, it was horrible improv. And he's like, you need to take classes at Second City. I was like, cool man, no problem. So I did. So I started taking these classes. And I was really involved. I really loved it. And then... Um, uh, so I'm moonlighting. I'm doing that at night. So I'm literally going to shows every night of the week. Uh, I'm trying to perform as much as I can, and I'm working nine to five. Because stage time is the only way That's to get it. better at this. That's there, it. There's especially, no cheat. Yeah. Yeah. Especially improv, you need to connect with other minds, whether mm-hmm. it be one person or a, a cast of five other people, right? So then uh, the economy <laughs> crashes. My boss, uh, God bless her heart, has to let me go. Um, we're still great friends to this day. I didn't have a hate on for her at all. And uh, you're like, I'll do something stable. I'll do improv yeah, for her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, two days prior to that, I got an email from Second City asking me if I have time to meet because they want to know what I'm doing for the summer. And so uh, that day that I got laid off, I walked home, tails between my legs, and I called my parents and I told them I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, I got a cool call everybody, all the graphic design people I know. So I emailed Second City back, and I was like, oh, yeah, this email's here. Uh, so I replied, nothing, send. And then they replied back immediately. They are like, hey, let's have a meeting um, next week, the following week. Yeah. The rest is history. So then I started with the education company, uh, and then I, and then after that I did that for a year. Then I went to moved on to the Second City Nas- uh, National Touring Company, did that for a year, and then I was on the main stage for two years. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's how I jumped in. And Liz, it sounds, we've just got a minute here. We'll start with know. you, though. But it, it's, you've been doing this for... A long time, since long you were time. 12. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so what was it? I mean, did you see someone do it on TV? I watched a lot of comedy. My mom uh, will kill me if I don't say it's all thanks to her. <laughs> <laughs> she, Hi, Joan. Thank Hi, you, Joan. Mama Thank Johnston. you for your living room. <laughs> she, I mean, I watched Monty Python obsessively mm-hmm. and SCTV and any comedy I could kind of get my hands onto, all the old SNL stuff. Um, and so I was just one of those kids, and I remember asking my mom, I was like, I want to be a comedian. It's time at, <laughs> at nine or something. She was like, okay. So then for my, I think it was for my 12th birthday, I don't know, whatever the age was that Second City would allow you to take classes at the time, I started doing those. And I took them for ever and ever. And then I went away to school and came back and found Bad Dog Theater, which is an incredible mm-hmm. improv theater company here in Toronto that does really interesting, fabulous work. And I just, and then the rest is history, as Nigel said. So, <laughs> And then I've been working with them um, since. So it's amazing. When we come back, we continue the conversation with Ruth Goodwin, Liz Johnston, and Nigel Danner. They're here talking about improv and the show Entrances and Exits at Sketchfest in Toronto. Tickets are available at howlandcompanytheater.com. Stay with us.
In studio, I'm speaking with Ruth Goodwin, Liz Johnston, and Nigel Downer. The show is called Entrances and Exits. It's at Sketchfest uh, in Toronto. Find out more details at howlandcompanytheatre.com. It opens on March 5th. And how long does it run? Uh, thir- the 13th of March. Till the 13th yeah. of March. So you've got uh, eight days to catch this. And, you know, the show is super fun. I've seen yeah. this show. It's different every single day. So, you know, maybe it won't be super fun the day you go, but it was super fun the day <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> it will uh, always be fun. <laughs> so uh, you talk a great deal about uh, training for this. I think a lot of people think, oh, well, just you get up and you say funny things and, and that's it. But it's like anything. There's a discipline involved with it. And there's a couple of things that, that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Nug Nargang is a great uh, improv uh, uh, practitioner in the city. And he tells me that he has to obsessively read everything. He's going to know what's happening in the news. He's going to know what's going on because you never know what reference is going to come from an audience or from another actor. So, I mean, that's just one of the sort of, I guess, the building blocks um, of of uh, improv. Liz, what are some of the others? What what should we know? What do you learn in school? <laughs> in school? <laughs> First day of improv class. Yeah. Uh, no, I, truly, it's funny that you say that because that is such an important part of improvising is the kind of topical aspect but it also depends on the improviser because there are so many people who aren't uh, absorbing that much media Mm -hmm. or news um, and often play much more in just character based improv and it's all these large physical uh, fabulous um, ants coming out of someone ants being a-u-n-t not ants like Uh. little tiny black ants but um Anyway, but so, but usually in improv, I mean, the first thing you learn, as everybody knows, turns to the room. No, uh, is, no, it's yes and. So essentially, you're right. just having to agree to whatever your partner says, uh, or your partners, anyone that's on stage with you, any kind of offer, whether it's a physical thing or someone says, "Well, you must have heard what's happening in the news," and to which you'll say yes, of course, and spout off whatever you know. But so much of it is really. Um, the fact that you're just accepting what anyone says. So if someone says, well, you know what's going on in the news, and someone says, yes, of course, I can't believe the CN Tower is actually made out of pudding the whole time, <laughs> you then have to respond, yes, I know, it's shocking. <laughs> uh, so you, there isn't any judgment if you right. don't know something. There is, which I think kind of alludes to what you had mentioned earlier in terms of having it be such an open space and mm-hmm. a place where people can feel comfortable. So improv attracts a lot of people who aren't wanting to be performers, but just wanting to feel more comfortable with themselves and say whatever they want. Uh, it's funny when you say that uh, there is no judgment there. I And this is a, a funny little story, but I hosted an event with Will Ferrell one time, and we were about to uh, go on stage, and there was a plan, and he goes, you know what, let's just go and have fun, and literally <laughs> threw my notes away. And so we get up on stage, and he sang Oh Canada, but just made the lyrics up <laughs> as, we, as he went, and it was really funny, and the audience loved it. And after he was done... Uh, and I just kind of mouthed along sort of, with whatever he was doing. And then, because uh, normally I'm like, hey, everyone, Will Ferrell's here. It's, it's, very, it's a much different thing than making up lyrics to the mm-hmm. national anthem. And then uh, someone in the audience said, sing another song. And so he started singing. 
and he sang a song that I didn't know, and then he came over and put the microphone in front of my mouth, and I had no idea what the song was, and so I just didn't do anything. I said, and and he kept it there for the beats of however, and and it turned out to be very funny, but uh, but no judgment from him, of course, no judgment, and And the song was "Call Me Maybe." You didn't know the the words? I did not. (laughs) Oh, no. I bet you went home and learned all the words. (laughs) The next time I host something with Bill Farrell and he sings Call Me Maybe, I'll be able to keep up with him. I'll be (laughs) ready. But that's so, I think that's such a funny, uh, perfect anecdote to describe that where essentially I think he, improvisers crave that moment of, oh, forget it. I just want to do, let's just Mm -hmm. have fun because... um, that that's the that's where the joy comes from, mm-hmm. I think. And the, as you said, the audience, if if you really do commit to what you're doing, the audience will go along with you. Um, if you're not funny, don't try it at home. But <laughs> I, I, I do think that though commitment though is yeah. a huge part of this, right? Yeah. I, I will also tell you another story, and this had nothing to do with me, but I saw. Um, uh, a comedian named Boyd Banks, who I think is a genius, and he uh, it was this was many years ago, and it, he did one set that was one line, literally one line. Uh, he, he came up and said, uh, hello everyone, I'm Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols. We're on tour again. Thanks for all the money. And he said, thanks for all the money over and over again for about eight minutes. And and the, the vein in his forehead started to bulge and it was just, he turned red while he did it. And, and at first it was funny and then it wasn't funny and then he was so committed to it that it was one of the most hysterical things I've ever seen on a stage. Commitment is everything. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's huge. It's, it's one of the pillars of, of improv. And I know uh, that, you know, when I teach, it's that's one of the things I'm always constantly trying to mm-hmm. drill in the students' heads is that if you commit to it, nobody is going to judge you or nobody's going to think that you didn't uh, consciously make that decision, right. you know? Um, uh, I did a show on the weekend where uh, I was playing a guy who was very tall, <laughs> he, and he was only described as tall, right? <laughs> so for the rest of the show, uh, I played... Uh, the tall guy, but I stood on a chair for a heavy majority of my scenes. <laughs> to be tall. To, to be yeah. tall. And again, thankfully, my cast was, I mean, they're just all about it. So yeah. everybody was on board, right? And then eventually to, uh, you know, just to come down to people's levels, just because it was weird for me to, to move <laughs> yeah. on a chair, <laughs> I would come down, but we would still act like the world was, I was taller than everybody right. else. So it's just committing to the bit, not only for myself, but from the rest of my cast. If this is real in this world and this is what's happening, let's, let's run with it. Let's go with it. So it's fantastic. And I think audiences will accept more stuff than you maybe give them credit for sometimes. Mm-hmm. Totally. Oh, yeah. Audiences are smarter, generally speaking, than we think they are. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if you have a team behind you that's, um, you know, like commitment and, and, a, and a great team that are committed with you, like you're just the coolest people in the room and everyone has to watch you. And if your whole team is like, well, we're on stage and we're cracking jokes and you're all here to see us and I'm tall and everyone agrees that I'm tall, then, then it just, it's like the ultimate social experiment. Everyone's just like, yeah, okay, he's tall. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And it's funny, actually, the show Nigel's referencing is a show that happens at Bad Dog on Saturday nights, 9.30 p.m. Um, It's called Hook Up, which is uh, one of my favorite shows to play in. I think Nigel is one of his. Yeah, you can speak for me for sure. Yeah, it's it's a really fun show that's all, uh, as Ruth said, many improv shows are based on forms loosely, Mm -hmm. and this would be kind of loosely based on a romantic comedy. So we take two people in the audience we ask them a little bit about themselves 
and then we say, you know, obviously you're not going to hook up, but if you did, here's what it might look like. Uh, and in that show, we go back to the audience repeatedly. Right. So in a moment of, you know, okay, this person has hit on you in such a way, would you be interested in them? You get to actually turn back to the audience and ask that woman who you've been speaking to and she'll either say yes or mm, no. Yeah. And that in itself, too, is a wonderful moment for you to say. If she says no, even though everything you've built <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. is based on her saying, yeah, of course I like this person. If she says no, you have to say, all right, and then move forward that way, which is such a fun way to have the audience continually involved but the whole of improv is like that where you have to kind of be able to turn on a dime and say of course you don't are, so are, here's what's next because you do take suggestions from the audience and the show uh, is called entrances and exits at Sketchfest, uh, and you'll be you will you will do that you begin the show by by taking um uh, suggestions from the audience are there some? Are, do, are, are there people in the audience who just want to be so clever oh. that they they shout out <laughs> things that are impossible or oh, or yeah. or so impossibly arcane <laughs> that there's just no humor to be wrung out of them at all? You're often trapped in either a world where everyone will yell fart. fart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's gonna say fart. Everybody will say fart. Yeah. Or because we ask for entrances and exits, we ask for an event where people would gather. Right. Mm -hmm. And for that, most people are you get there's, wedding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there are some that we get that are surprising, which is wonderful, yeah. where the audience comes up with something we've never even thought of. Sitting Shiva. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. actually. Yeah. And uh, and then we also get three sound effects from them. And that's where the farts of the world come yeah. in. <laughs> but we do, there are some people who who are there to impress their own friends. Yeah. And they're like, well, I know. How about an egret? And everyone's like, okay. <laughs> that's uh, when... I host a lot of Q&As with actors and things, and most often the first question, people will put up their hand, and there's no question. They just want to make a statement, mm -hmm. and it is just simply to display how clever they are. <laughs> and, uh, man, is that ever annoying. <laughs> Entrances and Exits is at Sketchfest in Toronto. Come see my guests Ruth Goodwin, Liz Johnston, Nigel Downer, plus Colin Mockery, Andrew Fung, Linda Cash. Uh, opens on March 5th. Go to howlandcompanytheater.com for more info. When we come back, we talk about the rules of improv and how they can change your life. Stay with us. Entrances and Exits plays at Sketchfest uh, in Toronto starting on March 5th. Go to howlandcompanytheater.com. Uh, you can grab tickets there, find out all the info you need to know about the show. What you need to know right now, though, is that Ruth Goodwin, Liz Johnston, and Nigel Downer, three of the stars, along with Dylan Evans, uh, the Connors, Connor Lowe and Bradbury, uh, Colin Mockery, Linda Cash, and Andrew Fung from Kim, Kim, Kim's Convenience, also in the show, and it's directed by Paolo Santalucia. Um, we talked earlier about how improv is something that a lot of people take classes uh, for with no real intention of ever getting up on stage in front of people, but they do it to mm -hmm. uh, help themselves at work or just sort of gain self-confidence, that kind of thing. So uh, the internet tells me that there are uh, four rules of improv, and this is and how they relate to customer support. Oh. Uh, so uh, we talked about one of them, say yes. First rule of imp improvisation is agree. Always agree and say yes. And, you know, now I don't know that that's a, a lesson that, that translates directly into life, but it's about positivity, I mm -hmm. guess, more than, than anything in your life outside. But the ones that really struck me were there are no mistakes. There are no mistakes, only opportunities. And I think that kind of resonates 
uh, outside of the theater. I think, you know, uh, so many people look at failure as uh, the worst thing that could possibly happen. I'll tell you, I have failed and failed again in my life. I have fallen down seven times and gotten up eight because that's the only way that you learn anything. And I think so. Tell me, if you can, uh, a little about, about how improv can go wrong, maybe failure on stage, but then how it works for you, how you can learn from it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I think it's sort of, a, you know, a great practice in terms of, you know, just failing on stage in, in any capacity is just not beating yourself up about it. I had a, an improv teacher um, growing up who, uh, you know, whenever you would play games where someone was out, um, if you got out and you sort of were hard on yourself and went like, oh, oh like I, if I you were out, meaning if you were, you know, if it was like a, a warm up game or some sort of get to know you game where you're there's kind of a competition and mm-hmm. then, you know, it's down to the last two and, and any right. sort of elimination people right. would be. Uh, there was like a strict rule that you had to celebrate when you got out. <laughs> um, and I think that practice was really helpful for me in my in my uh, like life as a performer and as a person because she really was trying to drill in like she had been on the Second City main stage for a while and had seen performers sort of beat themselves up like right out of the gate and, you know, do a set that didn't maybe land and then like ruin themselves for the rest of the show. Right. Like the whole thing about performing and uh, is is always being present and always having the moment be live, whether it's scripted or, or unscripted. And, you know, if you if you can't get back up from a fall, then you're not in the present moment. You're living in the past. You're living two minutes, three minutes, an hour ago to something that happened in the show. And that's life, too. Like, mm-hmm. if you if you can't get up and, and, and move on with grace as, as much as you can or, or getting into the practice of doing that, uh, in your life is is so much more valuable and and makes for you know such a much more funny and fun filled uh, experience. I uh, occasionally do an improv show where I'm just a guest. I'm not the funny one on stage. I, <laughs> I get interviewed and then the, uh, then they do comedy. It's called Monkey Toast. I'm in that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 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 uh, so one of the things that they do, and this was the first time I was on it, was like I think ten years ago or something. Mm-hmm. It was a long time, ten or maybe more years ago. And everyone gets backstage, the group backstage, and everyone touches one another on the back and says, "Got your back, got, got you your back." back. Yeah. And at first, I thought, "Oh my god, no, I don't want to <laughs> do this." But now I realize, having done it a number of times, I realize the kind of beauty of it, and I think that it's something that that you know, if more of us thought that way, the world might be a little nicer <laughs> place. But is that kind? Is that a thing is that an improv thing yeah i i think so uh i'm so glad that you mentioned that because i was just uh i was just shooting a commercial last week and there's two um theater more theater actresses uh that uh that were with me on it and just before like we went to roll um i touched both of them on the back and i was like i got your back i got your yeah. back and i could see the like they're just kind of they're perplexed like, by the idea what? <laughs> like, what and one of them was like oh i had heard that saying before mm. but i had never really had the opportunity to do it and i didn't really know what it was about and it instantly connects you and it instantly lets the other person know hey whatever whatever happens on this stage whatever you say as ridiculous as it may be or as too serious whatever the thing is i've i'm there for you mm-hmm. no problem and i think if you carry that philosophy through um that just makes for a, a, a more positive environment a better environment an environment where you know that any ideas you have they could be as fantastical as you know as whatever just coming up with the most fantastic thing um 
I'm going to support it no matter what, yeah. or at least try to manipulate or help you bring it to a level that everybody can understand, right. and then we can all go from there, right? But mm-hmm. all in positive, all in all in positivity, all in love, and I think it's a really good philosophy to have um, just throughout your daily life, to be honest yeah. with you, you know? And, like, uh, we sort of brushed over that yes and thing in mm-hmm. terms of your daily life, but... Um, I remember reading in, I, I think it was Tina Fey's book, where she talks about when she was became the head writer for SNL and how the sort of rules of improv were what ended up saving her uh, in in so many different situations. But the, the thing about yes and is, isn't, the thing is, it's not yes. It's not yes to everything. Right. It's, it's yes, yes and. and yeah. Like, how can I explore and heighten this idea? And, and it, you know, even that helps, I mean, when we with the Howling Company, which is a company that I run and produce, uh, I co-run with a number, with 10 other other uh, artists. Find out more at howlingcompanytheater.com. <laughs> um, but we have to, you know, with 10 cooks in the kitchen, that right. sort of yes and mentality is is the only way we've we've been around these past five years. And there's a lot of theater companies that, you know, struggle to, to start up in Toronto because, um, you know, there can be a lot of, ego or or hesitation or negativity right out of the gate and and I think like you know in business and life it's 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 so helpful well and I think the Howland uh, theater company is a good example of this as well of uh, making statements mm-hmm. when when you're mm-hmm. when you are saying something say what you mean yeah mm-hmm. passive aggressive behavior has no, <laughs> no. has no place yeah. You know, anywhere. Say what you're going to say well, and say it. And making statements in improv, if that's one of the other kind of rules. It is. is it's rule number three. I see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like these rules. I have to look this yeah. up. Um, First but... thing that comes up. When you Google improv. <laughs> if you, when you think about statements, when you ask a question, you're putting the onus on the other, in this case, performer, to come up with something. Mm-hmm. So when you say, oh, what are you doing? Uh, in a scene, they then have to say, oh, okay, well, I'm digging a hole because you're right. dead or whatever. You know, a classic improv scene there. Um, <laughs> as opposed to just saying, if you came out and said, why are you digging a grave for me? What a beautiful scene that creates. If you if you come out and just say what's happening, mm-hmm. it makes it so much easier for the other person. And in, and in life, I think that that would also be something where it's not even necessarily about just saying exactly what you mean, but don't don't force the other person that you're in a conversation with to have to carry that. Right. Don't don't put the onus on someone else all the time, whether it's in a conversation or just in your day to day. Like try to try to state not only what you want, but also what you can do to help, mm-hmm. um, which is a massive a part of that. But I think also too, as to Ruth's point about yes, and the and is really the key. You'll see a lot of improvisers who have been doing it for a long time won't say yes to offers the same way um, anymore. And when you teach improv, you have to say yes. You have to get over the impulse because the impulse is always to say no because no is always funnier. Right. I want to go here. Well, I don't. <laughs> and it's funnier. It's, and, but then the scene is but shut But then down. the scene's done, yeah. and then you don't have anywhere to go. Uh, then and you're so, that clever audience member that said something clever, but the yeah, interview's like going nowhere. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. It's on you're an open the fart. question. Yeah, you're the fart. Um, but, uh, if you, but if you say yes and you teach everyone that they have to say yes, then that's fabulous. And then when you get to have been improvising for over a decade, it ceases to be just oh, absolutely yes to whatever you're doing, but also it's but. How can we, okay, I'm not going to agree with you exactly, but I'm going to take 
the mm-hmm. gist of what you're saying and I'm going to use it. So if you want to move the seed forward in this way, how maybe it's more fun for me to say, oh, I can't, but here's why. Here's the problem we get to solve together. Uh, and that's where you get to see so much fun, particularly in a show like Entrances and Exits, where it's not necessarily just about saying, oh, yes, of course there's a body in the other room. It's no, there's not a body in the other room. He's just been sleeping. Yeah. And then the whole audience and the whole cast on stage says, all right, the game is he's dead. We have to pretend he's yeah. just asleep. And it's and that's where the joy of, I think, improv and then in this show in particular comes from, which is so fun. A lot of people know improv or were at least first exposed to it through Whose Line Is It Anyway? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been on and off television for what seems like 100 <laughs> years. It's back now, though. And you guys, Ruth and Liz, were just in Los Angeles, and you went to a taping with yeah. your pal Colin Mocker. It was the best. Was that exciting? Yeah. <laughs> it was really fun. It was wild to watch them. They 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 go for hours and they hours. They do. I, I've heard they go for like three hours or something. Yeah. Oh, I think it was like more like five, it's four, four and a half. And yeah. wow. watching them do pickups at the end, and and watching them sort of like improvise for a huge audience and for a camera was just wild. And mm-hmm. apparently they get like a, a you know a bunch of episodes out of like a a, a very like condensed, amazing uh, a bunch of improv. That they're like drive was crazy right so they do five hours a a a night for five nights and get 20 shows Mm -hmm. something Something like that yeah Yeah. i don't know it was crazy to watch it was wild they honestly their their stamina alone i mean i talk about getting to work with the same people over and over again and that's just a testament to that Mm -hmm. of having a cast that can absolutely understand where anyone is going at any time it was such a joy to watch and you should i mean it was incredible just to see these things where you know be like okay you did a song we liked it we're just going to try it again with a different uh we're just going to get a different uh get as we call them (laughs) and so then and then wayne brady and ryan styles were like okay this is at hour 4.8 or something and they're like all right and then did a song together where they both had their eyes closed and they did it in one voice Wow. So they they were matching each other's words and notes without looking at each other, and, and it was beautiful, so good. <laughs> it was shot, and that's something where you watch it. I mean, as a, as an audience, you watch it and you're you're in awe. It's fabulous. Yeah. But as an improviser, you're like, how? Yeah. Well, and it they, comes from twenty years of work. Exactly. 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 It was the thirtieth. Yeah. This is the thirtieth year they've year. been working together, which is wild. So wild. we have to leave it there. Entrances and exits plays at Sketchfest starting on March fifth in studio. Ruth Goodwin, Liz Johnston, and Nigel Danner have taught us how improv can improve our lives. <laughs> uh, go to howlandcompanytheater.com for more information. Thank you for listening. Thanks to you for coming in. And thanks to Andre and the board. Thank you. Thank thanks you. for having us.